Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. As we look to close out the book of Deuteronomy, the end of the <laughs> the end of the books of the law, and uh, Joshua will actually start the books of history, and uh, so really this is the last word of Moses, the end of the life of Moses, after this the people will enter into the land, and so Moses will give some final words here, and appoint Joshua, and they'll sing a final song, and some final blessings by Moses, and then the Lord will take him home. So let's go before the Lord and pray, and we'll start there. Father, again, we thank you for this time that we get to look into your word tonight, Father, as we close out this well, this book, this, sec- this section of Scripture, Lord. It's, it's pretty close to three-quarters of the size of the whole New Testament, just these first five books is something pretty close to that, Lord, and so, um, quite a bit covered, Father, used Moses in a great and wonderful way, Lord, and Lord, you have this finish uh, of his life as well, Father, and so we ask, Lord, that you would move by your spirit in our hearts tonight, Lord, in our midst, that we might hear all that you have to hear to speak to us tonight, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, well, hopefully you made your way there to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And let's look at verse 1. And it says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. So Moses, 120 years old now, and he no no longer uh, can lead the people. In other words, can't go out and go in. Uh, I'm not going to be here to lead you, to be with you. The Lord has already told them that. And again, you know, we still don't get this Moses pouting, you know, what a bummer. And, you know, and he, he doesn't. Keep repeating it a hundred times here. You know, I want to go it and I can't. The Lord's not doing it. He's not pouting. I can't go in. Doesn't snivel and complain about it uh, over and over again. He is going to re- encourage the people right to the very end and love the people to the very end. And that's really a sign of a of a mature person in the Lord. You know, they're, they're concerned for others over themselves. That's just a real sign of maturity where the Lord wants to get all of us is that, you know, it's not all about me. The world's not all about me. Everything's not about me. Um, Life isn't all about me and how I feel and who's being nice to me or who's doing this for me or whatever. You know, it's about others. And that's, that's a place where we always need to move towards where we're not thinking about ourselves. And certainly Moses is showing that here because he could have been a big complainer. But he's not. And then he says in verse 3, And the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy the nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og and the kings of the Ammonites, 
in their land when he destroyed them. So again, the reminder is the Lord is leading the way. He's going to go first. And yes, he's going to use Joshua, certainly. He used Moses, absolutely. But again, there isn't a place that you're going to go where God hasn't been there first. You know, we just need to trust him. You know, the Lord asks us to do something, asks us to step out, ask him to trust him in some way or do something maybe we're not necessarily comfortable with or maybe not even liking, but the Lord's leading us. You know, we're not sure how it's going to work out, how it's going to happen, but we just know that the Lord is going to go before us. And he's going to fight the battles. And that's what Moses is reminding him. You've seen him do the work. You've seen him fight the battles. You've seen the victories he's given us. We should have never won any of those. Yet it's because he's there. Remember what he's done. Again, an important, important reminder on our life as well. And then verse 5, And the Lord will give them over to you, that you may do according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage, and do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you uh, must go with the people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And so as Joshua really is there and Moses is turning over to him, the, the role that he was doing as far as leading the people. And he reminds them, fear is a faith killer. Listen, if you're afraid, if I'm afraid of something, if we get afraid and, and we're fearful about something, it kills our faith every time, you guys. You know that. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Just trust me. And uh, we need to remember that. He's with us. And when we get fearful, you can bet we're going to have a very difficult time, if not an impossible time, of walking in faith because fear has taken over, whatever that might be or whatever that might look like. As a matter of fact, we're reminded of this in Romans 8.31. It says, uh, says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that. You know, we're reminded of that in that great chapter 8 of Romans. It's the same thing that Joshua's faced here. It could be fear and wondering how's it all going to work out. Hey, I've been dependent on Moses for 40 years or so. And, you know, now all of a sudden I have to step up and I have to do this. And, and, and you know, Moses encouraged him, just trust the Lord. You've seen him work. You know he's going to continue to work. You need to step out. If God's for us, who can be against us, Romans tells us. And you know, it was time for Joshua to step out in faith. It was his time. The Lord was calling him now. Now you're going to have to move. You're going to have to trust. It's not going to be in a, in a um, you know, something that you're used to or that you're able to kind of kick back on and something that you know you could kind of look to me and not have to worry about now I'm calling you but there comes a time in our lives too guys where the Lord calls us to step out 
you know, you, you have to step out. You have to trust him. You can't just, well, I need a little bit more. And I've known people like that. Well, I'm not quite ready. I don't know. I need a little more training. I need a little more education. I need a little more time. I need a little more, um, boy, a number of things. And I have people, you know, shoot the gamut where they, oh, you know, just I'm not quite ready. Or I, I, I know I need this. I need to get that. Or, it's not, you know, I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel comfortable about it. I don't feel, you know all prepared and ready to go well i can tell you that day will never show up because it's all about faith right if you were all prepared had everything done and all all, all the t's crossed and the i's dotted and everything was set there wouldn't be any faith involved with that you just it's all set here you know walk into it but faith is a matter of putting trust in the lord and you know we're all called to step out at some point in some areas and different areas in this and and, and we can't just be fearful and run from those areas. We have to trust the Lord and step out and not think tomorrow, manana, you know, uh, next week or somebody else. It's not me. Somebody else is going to do this or be a part of that. No, there comes a time in all of our lives where the Lord just says, you know enough, I've prepared you enough, I've you know, worked in your life, it's time. And we got to embrace that. And we can't be fearful of that because... Again, it'll kill our faith. Well, verse 9 says, So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Verse 10, And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, In the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gate, that they may hear it and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. And so if you would, Moses finishes the last bit here, the, you know, the, the books of the law and certainly, you know, Genesis all the way through to where we're reading here in Deuteronomy. It, it's done. He's finishing it all up. And he says here, I give it to the priests, you know, and those Levites that were carrying the ark. It's to put in a special spot. And you're in your every seven years, you're to read it to everybody in the land. I mean, women, children, people that are visiting or staying there, whatever, you know, come out there. Uh, everybody. Uh, he said, everybody needs to hear this. Every generation needs to hear the word of the Lord. They're supposed to hear all this. And again, uh, reminding them repeatedly over and over during the time. That's quite a bit to read if you think about it and. Uh, during those seven days, but they were to study all that. And the Lord knows that, right? He knows we need to hear things over and over and over again. And uh, he, he wanted every, he, he wanted to make sure that there wasn't anybody that was ever there in the land that didn't understand God's promises and what God required of his people and what God was going to do and, and the consequences if they didn't do it. He wanted to be very clear to everybody. The Lord always wants everybody to know. It's not some hidden truth. You have to go to Kathmandu up some mountain somewhere, or go to some far place across the sea, as we talked about last time. 
No, it's near to you, and it's as close as you want it to be. And, and I think it's important that, you know, we continue to remember the importance of this, too. We always put ourselves in the position to get the word in us, you know, at home, when we're in the car, when we're at work. Um, you know, one of the reasons we put all the messages online, we used to make CDs and all that kind of stuff. But anymore, you know, there's just so much availability uh, of hearing God's word and getting it out there that we just need to make use of that. Sometimes it's, it's too much out there and, 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 you know, so much distraction for our time and attention. We need to make sure we need to focus on the, the things of the Lord. I'm kind of always harping that with my own children. It's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff buying for your attention. I personally don't get the entertainment value of YouTube. I think it's like the boringest thing in the world. Social media is incredibly boring to me, too. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> but it just, I, you know, people write stuff that's silly, and I, I don't know. I mean, some stuff is okay, and it's some good on, on all that. But I, you know, I, I just, I, I don't get all that. But, you know, what I like, maybe other people don't like. So that's not really the point. The point of it is... Is whatever it is for you, and in their case, that next generation, which is social media and YouTube and all those kind of things, you know, um, uh, you know, don't get so wrapped up in all this other stuff. Not necessarily wrong or bad, or the music of the day or the times, but you know, that stuff will all come back empty. But the Word of God will be of great benefit always to us, and so we need to always pursue that, look to that, put ourselves in a position to get that. And uh, and there's so much available for us. We need to take advantage of that. And that's what Moses is reminding them, how they could do it in their day and age. And certainly we have such far more advantages, uh, in my opinion, than they ever did. We need to use that. Well, verse 14 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting, that you that I'm sorry that I may inaugurate inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. And again, Moses not complaining or crying. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, he's not like that at all. And there's a, there's a huge difference because you know your time's up, Moses. And we'll see here in a little bit. The Lord's going to call him up to the Mount Pishkin. He's going to look over, and then that's going to be it. But even though he knows his, his time of his death, in this case, might be hours, I don't know, a day or two, I don't know, whatever it is, a very short, you know, he's not complaining at all. It's not a, a, a sad and bitter end in any way. And that's the difference between those who die knowing the Lord or those that don't know the Lord. You know, there is a real sense of fear or there's a real sense of peace. Boy, if you've ever been around people that knowing that their time is up, and usually people know when their time is up. I don't think the Lord kind of just does that in everybody's life, kind of gives them that sense that it's that it's near. Not not exclusively, but I think pretty much. And, and you can see people that are just panicked to hold on to every minute of life and those that know the Lord, and, and they'll say to you, you know, and there's this great peace, I'm, I'm ready for the Lord to take me home. And... Um, that's what Moses has got here, right? It's not a panic. Oh, man, I only have 12 hours left or 18 or whatever it was. Um, you know, he just has this real sense of peace. Okay, Lord, this is the next thing you want me to do before that time's up? Okay. 
And this is what happens. Verse 15. Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, you will rest with your fathers. And this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the, of the land. Where they will go in to be among them. And they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them. So they will uh, say in that day, have not, all, uh, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Verse 18, And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they have done. In that they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. And so the song that's recorded in the next chapter will be a witness to them uh, that they would turn away. And if you would, this is kind of like this pre-written history in a song. Now, why a song, you may say? Why is God having them do a song? Well, songs are easier, easy to remember. Little songs, little ditties, right? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. You all know what the rest of that is, right? <laughs> you don't know what that is? Okay, you're too young. <laughs> oh, what a relief it is. It's for Alka-Seltzer, right? A little, a, little ditty, a little jingle. We can remember songs that were recorded years and years and years ago. And the Lord does it in a way so they'll learn this song. So they'll want to listen that they'll, I mean, so they'll learn it and, and they'll remember it, not so much to punish them, but that they might see when things are going bad and wrong, these things will come to mind that God can, oh, why is things so messed up? Why are things going so bad? Uh, you know, um, oh, it's because, man, we forsook the Lord. And it was something they would remember that ultimately they would see why their predicament is and, and the Lord's intent is always to draw them back. Oh, yeah, that's why things are a disaster. Now, why will they turn away from the Lord? Is it famine? Disaster? War? Uh, Oh, there's no God here with all these problems. There can't be a God because there's so many problems. If there was a God, he wouldn't allow those things to happen. That's what people say today, right? That's what their whole reason is. You know, I, I saw this bumper sticker driving over here to church tonight. And it said at the bottom, it says, Teach respect for the earth and all living things. And I thought, okay, hippie slogan, all right, whatever. But then I noticed this bumper sticker above that and to the right. And you know what? People have those stickers, you know, God is my co-pilot. So they cut off the God part and put some little figure in there to mock that. And here I'm thinking, here you have on here, you want everything, to, people to respect earth and all living things, but oh, make fun of God all you want, right? <laughs> and I thought, what hypocrisy, on the way to church even. And I thought about that, but you know, people don't even recognize that, that whole thing. You know, I want to respect Mother Earth and animals and all that, and you know, but oh yeah, you can disrespect God all you want, no big deal. And, and uh, I thought that was uh, pretty hypocritical on the same car, <laughs> car there, but... 
So what will turn them away? Uh, you know, uh, you know, people. Well, I don't believe in God because all these bad. If he was really there, he, all these terrible things wouldn't happen. Well, why do they turn away? Well, let's read it right here. Was it war, famine, disaster? What? Verse twenty says, "When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, which just means it's a great place, right? Of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves." And grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Why do they turn away from the Lord? Because things are so bad and awful, and war and famine and disease and all these bad things are happening, natural disasters, we'd say. You know why they're leaving? Because they had too much. They got fat, exactly. They will not see their need to trust in the Lord. They won't see it. They will have so much that they'll think I'm I'm working out good. The crops are going. The business is going good. Money's in the bank. Uh, savings accounts getting kind of stashed up there, and this and that, and all this good stuff. And and uh, you know they won't see a need for the Lord, and they'll think, yeah, yeah, why don't we do this? Let's check out this. Everybody's doing this. People are doing that. Look kind of interesting. Looks kind of fun. And, and they just had so much that they would forsake the Lord because they had so much. And sad to say, we can all be kind of subject to this. Seems so even much more here, you know. I, I, I don't understand. You know, people sometimes just don't want to show up to church. And, uh, you know, most of the time people don't show up to church is when things are going good. I mean, this is not so foreign from what we experience today. And maybe you've experienced that in your own life. People, you know, oh, going to church when things are going good and work's going good and health is going good and everything's kind of going good. Oh, yeah, you know, it's sunny today. It's a hot day today. It's this day. It's that day. You know, let's get season tickets to this or let's do that or let's plan this or let's buy a boat and we're out every weekend or whatever people do, right? And and they don't show up because things are going well. And then when things kind of hit, the, you know, the bad downhill slide and then, oh, yeah, we should probably go to church. It's just it's, it's not much different than what happens today, sadly. And and, you know, we in our own minds, we always we, I should we, should we always. But, you know, we're. Uh, Typically, most people are always working towards getting to a place where it's going to be easy or comfortable or things are going to be taken care of in some way or sense. We're always kind of working in that area. But, you know, the Lord uh, sometimes prohibits that and makes it tough a little bit. And so it's never we get to that easy place because, you know, he knows that'll hurt us. Some of us we realize that, man, if I had all this going and this was going and this is OK, then, you know, would I really be coming to church on Wednesday night? Would I really be reading my Bible like I was? Would I really be praying? Would I really be involved in those things? Or would I just be out kind of doing what everybody else is doing? And it's just a real tendency back in this day, in our day today or back in that day. Well, I had too much. And then verse 21 says, Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants for I know the inclination of their behavior today even 
before I have brought them into the land which I swore to give them. Therefore Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. So this will remind them why things are, are, are going bad. You know, the other thing you have to think about, the Lord knows that they're going to do this and head down this road and do all this stuff. Now, if we knew things like that, you know, maybe our tendency would be, well, I'm not going to do that. I know what they're going to do it anyway. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let them go on the land. They're just going to squander it anyway. The Lord doesn't do that. He says, I want them to know. I still love them. I'm still going to keep my promises even though I know what's going to happen. I'm still going to keep my promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and what I, I told I would have happen. But I know what's going to happen. Well, in verse 23, then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book when they uh, were finished that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today while I'm yet alive with you you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? Gather me all the elders of your tribes and of your officers that I may speak uh, these words in the hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days because you do uh, you will do uh, evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel uh, the words of this song until they were ended. So again, all that we've been studying for month now is months is going to be recorded and spoken. He's going to have led you here, even though you revoke, you know you've. Uh, rebelled many times he goes i know even when i was here can you imagine what it's going to be like after i'm gone and you know the lord's having moses warn them you know stay on it stay together keep it together joshua's gonna be the next guy going in you need to you know listen you need to follow it's just a repeated message over and over again uh, again the lord never warns us needlessly so here's the song. Verse 1 of chapter 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew. As rain drops on the tender herb uh, and as showers on the grass. So I like that. He says, listen, you know, the Lord's telling them pretty quickly. The word should, you know, should be our nourishment should be our bread, like plants need the rain. Listen, if we don't drink the word of God and get it into us, we're going to experience drought. It's going to be dry for us. I, I, I guys, I can't tell you over and over enough how many times you need to be in the word. You need to spend time in the word. It needs to be a, a daily part of, uh, uh, of our lives. You know, we spend time eating and this and that and there's stuff that we do very routinely 
you know, every day, sometimes a couple times a day. And, and you know, we need to make the Word of God part of it and, and spend time reading it. Our Bible should be well-worn, underlined, highlighted. I mean, it's just important that we just, it becomes part of who you are. It should be important to you. It needs to be important to you. If it's not, if you can't remember where it is, or you left it over there, or you never can remember, that's that's something that we got to change that. We can say, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not going to do that. I am going to, I'm, I'm going to have you know, your word. I'm, I'm going to keep with me. I'm going to, I'm going to know where it is. I'm going to, you know, so, cause I, I take it where I go and what I do. I'm, you know, I, I trying to teach that with, to my children over and over again. You know, I make them, uh, could I leave Bibles here at church for them? Sure. No, you're going to get yours. It's going to be yours. And when you're here, you mark down, you know, you take, it's yours. You have it. You know where things are. It's just so important. And we need to be like that. It's just critical for us, guys. I, I just can't, I can't, I, I can only tell you because that's been my experience as well. And, and when I don't, when I lose track of it and I don't really know, what, you, you know, I, I, I look back and those weren't good periods in my life. Because it, it's, it's our nourishment. Amen. If we get hungry after four or five hours of not eating or five or six hours or whatever it is, you know, his word is our nourishment. We're, we're going to wilt. And and we just need to make an important part of our lives. I I can't tell enough. I, again, I always tell my children, I said, listen, wherever the Lord takes you and whatever you have, I said, one of the great signs when you go into a church, does everybody going to that church carry their Bible into church? If not, that's probably not a good place to go. That just says they just, the word of God isn't really important there, or at least it's not a place where they... If you're not going to bring your Bible to church, I don't know where else you're going to bring it personally. And I tell them, I don't think that's, you're just, you're, you know, you might think it goes someplace else where, look, where most everybody carries their Bible in, if that, that's a good place to go because you know that's important to them. And guys, we can't go through four chapters and you expect to pay attention just by listening to me. I, I just don't think it's going to ever happen. There's just, uh, it, we talk too long and there's not enough to keep your attention if you're not looking in it. So I encourage you, bring it. It, it's got to be our nourishment, or else we'll experience drought. You, you, you just, you just, it, it can't be effective. And he's, that's what he's saying. Remember, it's like what gives you nourishment. Verse three: For I proclaim in the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the Rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice. A God of truth and uh, without injustice, righteous. And upright is he. Again, this is another important thing we need to remember. God is always right, true, and just. Now, like I said earlier, people will say, well, you know, if God is right and if he's true and he's just, why is this bad thing happening? Why did, you know, earthquake happen over here? Why did this, this happen over there? Why did this not happen? What, you know, you know, all these things. Listen. I can't answer the why and God in the same thing. People said, why God doing something? I can't answer that, right? He is God. <laughs> He's the why. He, he, you know, his ways are above our ways. And we can never understand things without seeing things in light of eternity. So it's best to try to stop figuring out. 
And what God says, listen, I, I can't explain to you everything that's going on and why am I doing it and give you every good reason and, uh, you know, give you this understanding for this and this understanding for that and give you background on every. I just, it, it, it can't, it won't satisfy you first off and it, and it, it it's still not going to be enough. So what I tell you is I'm right, I'm just, I'm true. And, and you can either trust me that even though this may not look like the best or this isn't working out good or this seems very painful or this seems very uh, bad or destructive, and you can either trust me that I am what I do is right and true or, or not. Or you can make your own determination with very limited facts. And so again, the Lord reminds us over and over again, you can trust me. What I do is right. And when we get in eternity and we see things in light of eternity, uh, you know, we've been studying um, Revelation on Sunday mornings. And, you know, we see uh, every time the scene flips back into heaven from all the turmoil and stuff going on on earth, you, you flip, everybody's saying righteous and, and true are your ways, holy and righteous. There's this when, when you look from eternity on what God is doing, you automatically say, well, that's that's right on. And either we can choose to receive that and trust knowing that. He's right, he's just, he's true. Or we can always struggle with, well, why God? And I find most of the time, the Lord never answers the why question. But he's always righteous and always upright. So now he's going to talk about the people, and let's read verse 5. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation do... Uh, you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High divided the inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him. And there was no foreign God with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth, that he may eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock, and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle, and milk of the flock, and with fat of lambs, and rams of the bread of Bashan, and goats with the choicest wheat. You drank wine, the blood of the grapes." And so the Lord reminds them. He said, you know, you're the apple of my eye. In other words, you know, uh, he, he guards and protects them. That, that's what that does. It protects your eye. It's your eyelid, basically. It, it's what, what protects your eye. He said, I, I, you're, you're important to me. You're a focus on me, and I take care of you. And he also gives that instruction like Mama Eagle, right? Watching out for the baby. Oh, the baby's ready to fly. Is the baby going to make it off the nest that they build? I I don't know about you guys, but I happen to see that bald eagle that parrot lives over in um, uh, outside the slough there. Um, and I actually was just 
at a farm, and I just all of a sudden I saw this, and man, there was a bald eagle with some branches in its hand. He was fly, uh, in his beak, I should say, and he was flying up to um, uh, those big high eucalyptus over there. And, and so building the nest way up there, they usually build it really high. And so, hey, little baby's ready to fly out of there. Uh, you know, mama's there. You know, he needs to get out and stretch his wings and learn to fly, but mom's hovering by, taking care of him. Uh, uh, that's what I'm doing, the Lord said. And, and ho- uh, honey and oil is signifying that the Lord has blessed them. And notice where there's no natural provision or he's blessing them in a supernatural way. They, they had it made. I, I, I gave you stuff where there really wasn't anything natural. I took care of you. I watched over you. I, 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 I guarded you. I looked upon you. I drew you out. You, you were special and precious to me. That's how the Lord treated his people. How do they respond to that? Well, verse 15. But Jershon, Jershon, Jer, sorry, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat. You grew thick. You are obese. <laughs> then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they pro- provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know. To new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. So Jeshurun just really means, it's another kind of way of saying their name, but he's kind of saying it a little bit, maybe, uh, you know, uprighteous or righteous. That's what that means. He's saying you're, you're righteous and righteous, kind of a, you know, I'll say making fun of them, but pointing out you're supposed to be righteous. I did all these things for you. But but you're not really righteous, it, it, you know. It's you know like calling somebody yeah smart move. You, you know it's not really a smart move. It was a dumb move, but you say it was a smart move. The same kind of thinking here. That's that's what the Lord's saying here. Because you you had so much, and and what did that do? It translated into you rejecting me. You had so much, and that ended up. Just going off and doing your own thing. And I, I, I can't help but to think, seeing that parallel in our country today. I mean, am I not right? I, we're blessed with so much. We have so many things compared to any place else. You know, I, I um, we go down to, wow, when we go down to, to Mexico to um, visit Annabelle's family and stuff. And, uh, you know, there's just some pretty poor spots down there. And I, I just love pointing out to my kids, you know, Hey, do you see how they're living here? Do you, how many bikes do you think they have? How many skateboards do you think they have? How many toys do you think they have? Listen, they're probably happy to get one good meal a day. And and just think, you know, you're you're, you know, you got to have this and that and all this kind of stuff and, you know, this world's always constantly getting new this and new that and, you know, they're always appealing to them. And I can't help but think that we're similar, that we have so much, and yet the Lord is rejected in so many ways. can't see much of a difference, really, in that day and in this day. 
And, and notice this. I think this is, a, again, good underlinable verses in verse 16 here. He says, you know, um, uh, when you don't worship me, when a person doesn't worship the Lord, that person is worshiping demons. Now, you know, in our day and age, particularly in our, our part of the, uh, of the country here, you know, people will say, oh, no, that's just their way of thinking. That's just their way of doing things. You know, they worship in their own ways. They just have their own way and this and that. Listen, the Lord says very clearly, it's the Lord. And you don't worship him. You are worshiping demons. It's there's no like, well, if it's good for you, just like we talked about on Sunday, oh, it's what you like and what you feel like. Well, it's OK. What's truth to you is truth. The Lord says, listen, you know, you turn away from me and it's demonic. It's not just the way you feel or a person worship. How can you put down a person's religion that way? Well, your argument's not with me. It's with the Bible. The Lord says it's demonic. So we can't look at it just their way of doing things. It's demonic. Well, verse 19 says, When the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. They don't want me, so I'll see. I'll let them see what life is like without me. And I will see what their end will be. For they are perverse generations, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. And I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. So they're treating God as if he's not, you know, um, and commonly today, right? People just move into worshiping nature, right? Worship mother nature and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, treating God as he's not there at all. Oh, look at this marvelous, you know, world we live in and animals and plants. And it just becomes this big pool of worship here. And the Lord says, you know, you want to move me out? Well, the worst day comes when I say, okay, that's the way you want it. That's the way I'm going to allow you to have it. And I won't be there at all. I'll move myself out of that. And as a matter of fact, verse 21 is quoted in Romans 10.9, speaking of the church. Um, talking about the church provoking uh, the Jews to jealousy, because they'll see the, the love and relationship we have and you know, in Israel today, and even most Jews around the world today, you know, most of them are, are atheists. You know, it sounds crazy. Most of them certainly don't believe in much of the Bible. I think it's, I don't know, you see your numbers kind of all over the place, but it's in, you know, what, 10, 15 percent maybe of Jews that even believe the Old Testament is true. I mean, it's such a huge, huge small number. Huge, small number. It's just a very small number. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're just not very much. And, and that's, you know, again, Romans ten nineteen kind of says that. It's quoted there saying that, you know, he's going to provoke them to jealousy by... And you really go over to Israel and you see all the Jews, especially the Jewish tour guides and bus drivers and all that stuff. And here's all these people wanting to go over there and, you know, see the Holy Land. And yet they live there and, you know, they don't really care that much about biblical history for the most part so and that's what he's doing with us today certainly verse 22 for a file fire is kindled 
In my anger, and it shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase, and set a fire on the foundations, on the foundations, set fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disaster on them, and I will spend my arrows on them. And they shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence, and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. And the sword shall destroy outside, and there shall be terror within. For the young man and virgin, the nursing child and the man of gray hairs, I would have said, I will dash them to pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest the adversary should misunderstand, lest they should say, Our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this. So the Lord said, listen, if you do that and reject me and go after your own ways and worship these things and just put me aside, he said, it's going to be miserable for you, not only on the outside from fears and worries, but you're also not going to have any peace on the inside. You're going to be miserable on the inside and and all the pressures on the outside are going to be miserable. And he notices nobody that lives that way is going to be exempt. Doesn't matter if they're old, if they're young, if they're this, if they're that, nobody is going to be exempt. And I can't help but look, you know, look at all the wealthy millionaires that we have just up the road a piece in Silicon Valley and all that kind of stuff. Millionaires and millionaires and billionaires and billionaires. I mean, one of the hugest concentration maybe in the world right there. With all that they have, just just still not happy, still not satisfied. It just can't buy them what they're looking for. And um, it's it just not. It, it just it never will. And the Lord says, but I'm not going to destroy you completely because then your enemies are going to take credit for it. Right. They're going to take credit. And, and if they destroy them, they're saying, oh, yeah, but our we wiped these guys out, took over their land. The Lord says, I'm not going to do that. Or they're going to take credit for it. I, I, I'm not going to allow that. But it's going to be miserable if you reject me. Miserable. Verse 28 says, for the nation uh, for they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. And again, I think one of the, verse 29 is one of those great verses to underline and look at and remember, because if they would only think how this would affect them, if they would only think about what will really happen where the end of this road, where the where this road takes them? You know, I was talking to uh, Ethan the other day. Annabelle and I were just out front, and somebody had like a eight oh five sticker or something like that. And and uh, and as I said, that's an area code. And Ethan said, "No, it's a it's a beer." And I said, "Yeah, I think it was well, both, <laughs> right? It's a beer." Um, and it's a area code, but I think that's what they're advertising is is the beer. And I don't know how we started talking about it. But we started talking about drinking and beer and this and that. And I said, listen, Ethan, let me just remind you again and again. I said, when you start drinking, it takes you down a road. And, and when you start, it, you never see how that's going to wind up. I said, the same thing is true with pot. It's going to be legal here. People are going to be able to buy it at 7-Eleven. Pro- I don't know. I'm just kind of making fun. Eventually, it'll probably be in those places like that. You know, it's going to be available. It's going to be out there. But people that start down that road never see where it will eventually take them. 
I said almost everybody that has big issues with drugs, uh, you know, hard drugs and, and getting messed up, uh, without exception that I know, started with pot. Nobody just sticks a heroin needle in their arm the <laughs> first time out of the chute, right? It usually starts that way. It, it's a, that's why people call it like gateway. Well, it, it's that because that's a good description of it. It opens a door and it takes you down this path. I say same with drinking. I said people that are, 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 are really into alcohol and, and, and it has to be part of their life all the time in and out, they opened a door. And, and it, it, I don't think they ever thought when they first opened the door, oh, it was fun, it was a good time, they did it on Friday night once in a while, but they opened that door and they never thought that this word would take them down. But this is where you need to learn. There's some doors that you should just never open. You just because you got to think, where will this lead you? So why would you want to open a door to a place? Now you might not be the one in ten that it happens to, or whatever number that is of any particular thing, whatever it might be. You know, watching stuff on the internet or movies that you shouldn't be watching, or this or that, whatever it might be. You know, for a person, there's certain things you just don't want to because when you first get into them, you don't see where they end up. You're only looking at with the immediate pleasure or fun or entertainment or whatever it is, and, and you don't see where that leads to. And a person that first opened that door never thought they would be there a year or two or five or ten later on. And, and so that's what the Lord's saying here. That's what I was trying to tell him. I said, there's just certain things you'll never regret not opening those doors. But there's plenty of people that have regretted opening those doors, and then they, they were trapped. And, and it was very difficult to get out. So I said, you don't want to do that. And, and that's what the Lord's saying here in verse 29, which I think is such a great verse to remember, is and to tell people, listen, you, you don't know where this is going to lead you. You, you. This may be a little bit of a thing now and not even that big of a deal, but that's where that road leads. Consider that latter end or where we'll end up. And that's what he's saying. Don't even entertain these things that, that other people are doing because it, it'll take you to a place you Never want, never want to be. Well, verse thirty, the song goes on. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? That's impossible. One person can't chase a thousand unless the rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them. For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is the vine of Sodom and their fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes. Uh, are grapes of gall. They cluster, uh, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and cruel venom of cobras. Is, it, uh, is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and recompension. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things which Things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free, he will say, Where are the gods, the rock in which you sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise and help you and be your uh, refuge. Verse 39, Now see that I, even I, am he. And there is no God beside me. 
I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. So again, sadly, they wouldn't learn that the path they were traveling on from the Lord would lead to such destruction. But when they arrive there, it will be very miserable. And then he'll say, okay, well, where's everything that you put your confidence in? Where's everything you put your trust in? Where's that, that thing that you invested so much time and effort and money that you put into that? How can that help you now? Boy, isn't that true? People invest time and money into things and jobs or even a, you know hobbies that they'll spend all this time and money. And then when things go south, how is it really ever going to help them? How is all that you poured all this time and resource into this and it turns to nothing? Then call on it. And the Lord says, listen, I want to spare you from that. Because you're trying, to, you're trying to build your house, Jesus would say, on the sand. And when the storms come, and they're going to come, you're going to, you're going to collapse. Because it's built on nothing that's going to withstand. And, and so he said, you're building your house on a sand, and it will collapse. So he said, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go down that road. You, you don't want to be there. And... He reminds them that that's not going to help you. And when you depend on it, it'll fail you. And he finishes off in verse 40. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I went my, glitter, uh, went my glittering sword and my hand takes hold of judgment on judgment, I will render vengeance on my enemies and repay those who hate me. And I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Verse 43, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance uh, to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. So the song ends with punishment for those who would come against his people and also notice, right here at the end of the law, uh, is very clearly there'll be a time when the Gentiles, or the non-Jewish people, will worship with, with the Jewish people. I mean, God's telling it pretty clearly here. There's going to be a time when both are going to be together. And so he finishes, So Moses came with Joshua the son of Nun and spoke all the words of the song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all the words to Israel and he said to them, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess." What we are doing here tonight is not a futile thing. What they did in keeping God's word is never a futile thing. Because people will say, go to church Wednesday night? Are you crazy? Why would you go to church on Wednesday night? That's, that's a crazy thing. People don't go to church on Wednesday. Oh, maybe Sundays and maybe once in a while. You know, Thomas, Thomas and I like to talk and... We have these conversations about people that don't want to go to church. And, you know, you know they, they say they know the Lord, and yet, remember we talk about it all the time, they show no desire to want to go to church. 
And, 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 you know, and that's really what it's saying here. It's like, you know, it's not a futile thing. When you and I put effort and, and desire to hear from the Lord and spend time with people of the Lord, we, we look at it as not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. And it's not like, oh, we have to. <laughs> we always talk about that. You know, people that just don't, you know, and, and you have to question if a person may say, I, I know the Lord, or I believe in the Lord or this and that. But when they don't want to, when they consider it a futile thing or not anything valuable or not worth their time, it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's, the Lord says, listen, you'll never regret that. It's not a burden. It, it's not futile. Yeah. It, and, and, and that's what he's saying. Don't. Because if you listen, it'll prolong your life. It'll be a, it'll be a blessing to you. And so when we come out for Wednesday night at church, people think we're kind of off our rocker. But we understand, I'm not wasting my time. If I was sitting at home watching something, that would be wasting my time. And we all know what it's like to waste time. We've all wasted plenty of time in our life. But we also know the, the, the great blessing that is to, you know, to, um, you know, to, to spend time with the Lord, you know. Again, another thing, it seems like tire illustration, my poor son Ethan getting picked on, but you know, youth group, and it's Sunday night at 6, or 7, I'm sorry, and um, and you know, he says sometime after Sunday, we've been at church, or we're doing stuff, and going out, and he goes, oh, I'm just tired, and this and that, and we're always saying, no, it's, it's youth group, you need to go, you need to be a part of that, you need to be plugged in, you need to, you know, do all that, and and, and then, you know, Annabelle said to him, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, when he was kind of... Because it's been pretty tired. They've been doing junior lifeguards, and man, they, they're out on the beach five hours a day, five days a week in the sun, and they work them running, swim, all this kind of stuff. So they're, you know, tired more than they normally would be. But you know, she said to him, she says, Ethan, have you ever gone there and been upset that you, at the end, you know, still mad that you, or realized what a waste of time that was? I mean, you ever felt like, oh, this. I went there, but it was, you know, I never got anything out of it. And he said, no. He's, I, you know, no matter what I felt going in, I've always felt good after. I felt blessed being there. And she said, that, that's what it's like. You know, at times we're not always going to have this perfect attitude that we feel like, you know, reading our Bible or coming to church or doing this. We understand that. But we all, obviously, I'm <laughs> speaking to you guys because you're here, realize that, you know, I, I push through those things. I don't let my emotions or feelings or tired or pressures from this and that, you know, work or other pressures keep us from what we know is going to bless us and what the Lord's called us to do and what we enjoy. And that's what he's saying here. It's never futile. It's never a waste of time. And, and we never do that. And you guys know that. But people that don't know that, boy, they think we're crazy going to church on Wednesday night. And you've probably heard it too. Well, let's finish up this song. And then Moses, uh, sorry, the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day saying, go up to the mountain uh, around Mount Nebo. I'm sorry, Ab, uh, Ab Arim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab across from Jericho. View the land of Canaan, which uh, I give the children of Israel as a possession. And die on the mountain which you ascend, and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people, because you trans, uh, trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hollow me in the midst of the children of Israel. Yet you shall see the land before you, 
though you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. And so here's what that mountain looks like today. Um, and you can kind of look off into the, the future or look, look off in the distance there. You can climb up there and you can kind of see Sea of Galilee is on the far right. And then on the far left is the Dead Sea and then Jericho where they'll cross over is about in the middle. And that's kind of the, the land uh, kind of overlooking it. And then here's another view of it looking down into it. And so that, that's where he says you're going to climb up there and, and I'm going to take you home. <laughs> Not on this side. Verse 1, chapter 33. Let's finish this up. Now, this is the blessing which the, Moses, the man of, the, of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death and said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned uh, from them, on them on Mount Seir, and he shone forth on Mount uh, Paran, and he came with ten thousand saints from the right hand come a fiery law for them. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. And so he'll look at that. And, um, you know, what I think what we'll do is we'll call it a night there and we'll finish his last blessings next week. Um, I was hoping to finish tonight, but I think let's just let's just hold off there and we'll talk about the blessings uh, in his final days next time. Father, we just thank you for this time that we get to look into your word, Lord, and we ask that you would. Continue to lead and guide us, Father, that we would um, continue to always cling to you. Father, that we wouldn't, wouldn't open doors or gates that um, you wouldn't have us to walk down, entertain things that maybe other people are doing, people that don't know you in the world, Father. and just, It's just things we just don't need to put into our minds or try or get involved with because you want to spare us, Lord. You're not prohibiting us. You're not... Uh, you know, trying to box us in. You do it for our good because you love us. And you know that when we spend time with you in your presence, doing things your way, we're, it's always the best for us. And you just call us to trust you and to walk in faith. And, and, and there's times where, we're, we're, you know, that in our lives, Lord, we need to be like Joshua and just be ready and step out. You've to- told us, you've shown us, we just need to be faithful and move forward, Lord. And not put it off or worry about what might happen or how it might work out, Lord. We were faithful to that, Lord. And that we remember that, Lord, you love us. Your love for us is perfect in every way. And, Lord, we can trust you completely. You'll never leave us or forsake us. That you always have us, Lord. You'll always hold us. And you'll always want to do great things in our lives, Lord. Because you love us. And your love is perfect. And we can trust in that. So help us, Father, to, to be those people, to draw near to you, to continue to always, Father, to look to you. And, Lord, that we would take the warnings of not just doing like everybody else is doing and following the ways of the world. And, Lord, help us when we things are going well and going all right, Lord, that we always keep our eye on the ball, so to speak, that we always are focused on you. And we don't let the good things, Lord, distract us And we think, you know, and we kind of forget about you and kind of move you to the back burner, Father. Help us, Lord, to always be more in love and more amazed by your goodness and how you would pour out these blessings into our lives, Lord. And may it warm our lives, melt our hearts, Lord, that we might just be drawn closer to you because of them. 
not away from you because we have so much, Lord. Help us to, to take heed to that, Father. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll finish it up next week, guys. And. Um,